You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Goodbye baseball, a walk-off winner for Mitch Hattiger. Swing, line, drive, this game is over! Goodbye baseball, Mitch Hattiger ties it up here in the bottom of the ninth inning. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. All right, welcome back once again. Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Hopefully you had a couple nice days. We're looking forward to a great weekend. Mariners, well, they just keep winning. So yesterday was pretty ridiculous. We'll talk about that. Two more games since we last chatted. Two more wins for the Mariners as it just it just continues to happen. So let's recap a little bit. Mariners now 13-2 and two on the season. They've won six ball games in a row. The road trip... Pretty phenomenal. Six and one road trip through Chicago and Kansas City, averaging over eight and a half runs a game, over 12 and a half hits a game, uh, two and a half homers a game, 19 home runs on the trip, 25 walks on the trip, batted 328 as a team with a 385 on base percentage on the trip, just crushing the baseball all over the place. It's ridiculous. They've been in double-digit hits now in six straight games. They're still a ways from the record. It was in 2001 where they had 11 straight in double-digit hits, which is pretty amazing. But uh, it's going to be tough to keep that one going, taking on Houston and Cleveland the next couple of series. But we'll talk more about that as the podcast continues. We're going to have a lot of reaction and sound and highlights from the last couple of days. Also, a uh, fun visit with Denny Matthews, the Hall of Fame voice from the Kansas City Royals, who was there when the Royals started in 1969, including the first hit in Royals history, which was Lou Pinello. We're going to hear that hit coming up in a few minutes as well, which is pretty cool. Uh, let's get to it. As the Mariners had won the first two games of the series, looking for a series win in game three of the series. And this was a ball game that would go back and forth. The Royals would get two in the seventh to tie it up. So 5-5 the score going into the ninth. And that's when Mitch Hanniger would go yard to give the M's the lead. Boxberger from the stretch and the 0-1 pitch. Swing and a fly ball to right field and deep. In toward the corner. Going back Merrifield. Goodbye baseball. With one swing of the bat. The Mariners have tied a Major League record, and they have set a Major League record. It is the 14th consecutive game in which the Mariners have hit a home run. That ties the 2002 Cleveland Indians. And with run number six, the Mariners take the lead 6-5 to five on Hanniger's home run his third of the year. The Mariners have now scored six or more runs in 12 of the first 14 games of the year, surpassing the 1932 New York Yankees. So all kinds of history set with that home run right there. Six runs, Hanniger goes deep, and the Mariners take the lead 6-5. to five. And it was Elias' turn to finish this one off. 
Here's the stretch. And the pitch on the way. Swing and a pop-up. Shallow left center. Going out Beckham. Tim is there. He makes the catch and the ball game is over. The Mariners win it 6-5 to five over the Royals tonight here in Kansas City. 6-5, to five, a thrilling win in Game 3 of the series. So they had the series win secured going into the game yesterday. And then yesterday ended up being a wild one as we move through this one. Kansas City had constructed a 4 nothing lead going into the sixth inning against the Mariners. But the M's started to chip away. Two in the sixth, one in the seventh, one in the eighth. It got to the ninth inning with two on, two outs. Mitch Hanniger, the very last hope for the Mariners in the ballgame. Here's the stretch. D goes. Pitch to Hanniger. Swing and a fly ball into center field. And deep. Hamilton going back to the one. He tracked near the wall. Leaps up and it's off his glove. One run will score. Two runs will score. Hanniger to third. He's going to slide in safely with a two-out, two-run triple. Hanniger ties the game at 6-6. Six to six. So he's pretty big time a couple games in a row. And that would set the table in extra innings as Vogelback continues to stay red hot. In the 3-2 pitch, swung on and driven deep to right center field. This baby's a laser shot, and it's gone! Daniel Vogelbeck is giving the Mariners a 7-6, 10th inning lead here in Kansas City. Vogel with another bomb. His sixth home run, 11th run batted in, and that thing was nailed. The bullpen wheel spins, and it fell on Connor Sadzek. One of the newest Mariners this time to close it out. To the plate, the pitch. Up and in, swing and a miss. Ball game over. Mariners win. 7-6, complete a sweep. They go to 13-2. Four-game sweep on the road is not easy no matter who you're playing. 7-6 Mariners win. They get that four-game sweep. Now 13-2 on the season. The M's come home flying high to take on the Astros. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But we have a lot to get to in terms of conversation. One of the great ones was Malik Smith after the game two days ago on the field with Shannon Dreyer. Thank you, Rick. I'm down here with Malik Smith. And, Malik, last night when you guys won uh, by 6-3, to three, D. Gordon said, you know, this was a ball game tonight. If last night was a ball game, what was tonight? You know, this was a ball game all in itself. You know, mad respect for the Kansas City Royals and how they played today, especially that kid Terrence Gore. He made a lot of plays. Whitfield made a lot of plays. They saved a lot of runs out there today. So it's a really good ball game that we played today. But overall, we finished strong, and, and we played together. Big, big, big uh, shout-out to Mitch coming in in, in, the, in the top of the ninth and, and hitting the home run opposite field. Like, that's big time. You know, all day he's been struggling, and then he comes in, and, and when we needed him and, and, and gives us the lead, can't say enough about that. The wind was blowing the other way, too. Right. I, oh, he cut the wind, you know. So even more props, you know, just to stay locked in and, 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 and to compete all the way up to his last at bat. You know, we, we really appreciate that. It's a testament to how this team is playing right now. 
And you guys were kind of doing your thing in the third and the fourth inning, and fourth inning in particular. First three guys get in. They bring in a reliever. You're not wasting time bringing in two. No. Um, you know, they put me in a good situation. I came up, bases loaded, nobody out, and I, and, I, and I just came up, and I wanted to drive in the guy at third, and I ended up getting two. So, you know, that just turned into a, a double positive. Alex, when people tell you about some of the historical things that you guys are doing right now, I mean, you just broke a record by the 32 Yankees. And, you know, I mean, how, how do you kind of process that? Uh, you know, I, I process it as, you know, one, that's incredible. Uh, that's been a record that's been holding on for almost 100 years. But two, uh, I can't say enough about my team and, and just how the resiliency, you know. For us to break that record in the top of the ninth right there when we needed that run, you know, that just says that just says a lot about our team. I can't I can't say enough about the team right now. Well, we're having a blast watching it. Thank you, Alex. Thank you very much. There it is. Tremendous trip. Shannon will be here to recap uh, some of the sound from the trip in just a moment. And now the M's turn their attention to the Houston Astros starting tonight, and then Cleveland after that. So this is going to be a very difficult. Three-game homestand. Wade LeBlanc will take the ball. 7-10 first pitch tonight. Wade Miley will go for the Astros. The new look Wade Miley looks very different than he did a couple years ago with the Mariners. Felix on Saturday, 6-10 first pitch. Justin Verlander will go for the Astros. Marco Gonzalez on Sunday, 1-10 first pitch. Garrett Cole will go for the Astros. So... Mariners surging, of course. Uh, They've had a ton of offense. It won't be easy, though, in this three-game series against the Houston Astros. Mariners 13-2 overall. Astros, after kind of a stumble out of the gates in, in the first series of the year, they've turned things around, and they're playing really good baseball as well. The Astros come in 8-5 and five overall. They've won six in a row. In fact, What's with the AL West? Mariners have won six in a row, 13-2. and two. The Astros have won six in a row, 8-5. and five. The Angels have won six in a row, 7-6. and six. And the A's have won three in a row, 9-8. and eight. Texas, they won yesterday as well. Every team in the AL West won yesterday. The Rangers, 6-6. Six and six. So every team in the West above 500 to start the season. You can't say the same about the AL East. Tampa, the only team above 500, of course, we are very, very early, but it's been a lot of fun so far for the Mariners. A plus 42 in run differential so far this year, which is fairly ridiculous. So we'll talk again after this weekend, after the three against the Houston Astros. In the meantime, we'll have some fun here. Shannon Dreyer will be here uh, to recap. We'll also visit with the Hall of Fame voice, Denny Matthews of the Kansas City Royals. As we close out what's been a terrific road trip, we take a look back at who we heard from on The Insider, including Tim Beckham, Dylan Moore, Malik Smith, and Marco Gonzalez, who looks back at the impact he believes the trip to Japan has had on the Mariners. You know, we wanted to come out and uh, kind of hit the ground running. I thought Japan did a, you know, did a good job for us, kind of getting us locked in early and then coming back to Seattle and kind of gearing up for you know, the Red Sox, you know, defending world champs coming in. I thought we were all... Um, pretty hyped up about that, and I think that's what's led to kind of this start for us. Um, but yeah, you know, we've just been having fun and, and kind of staying, keeping focus. We know it's going to be a long year. So if there's ever a struggle, maybe just bring in a big Japanese buffet, and it'll put you back in the mindset <laughs> of where you were. Maybe. I mean, we all love that trip. I think we all had a, had a blast. Um, the travel was tough on us, but I think when you kind of have that common adversity with a team, we all hated the travel and all hated the um, the flight back. I think that kind of bonded us. Together. 
together a little bit. I think one of the funniest things I've seen in my entire life in baseball is that flight back. We had that big delay before we were able to leave. Once that plane got up in the air, the entire plane was conked out. Everybody yeah. was out. Yeah, I thought I thought you know maybe we'll we'll hang out and um, visit for a little bit and then maybe you know sleep towards the end. But I think all of us were out. I was out before the plane even took off. Dylan Moore has had quite a trip. His first big league hit, his first big league home run. He's keeping everything in focus, concentrating on why he's here, his ability to play all over the infield, and every day there is work to be done. Just repetitions, honestly. I mean, I realize my value as, as a player that can play multiple positions is really high, and I want to be the best player at, at that that I can be. Um, and so just, you know, just repetitions and, and, and hard work and, and, you know, these guys believing in me and my teammates, and I'm getting constant help from all the coaches and everybody, and everybody's really great, and I just I just hope I can, I can continue to, to get better because every day you want to get better, you know, continuous process of improvement. And, I just want to keep it going, and, and it's been really fun so far. What's something specifically Perry Hill has given you that you can look at and say, okay, you know what, this is kind of taking me somewhere? Just uh, the way he goes about his business is very, you know, he's very um, energetic, very loud, um, as you guys probably heard in um, spring training. But, he, you know, he's very specific, and he can see things that a lot of coaches can't see, just very, very minute things that, that he'll tell me and, and – and, um, like, my starting position is a little bit more narrow these days than it was in the past. kind of gives me more lateral movement. So just stuff like that, it's, 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 been really, uh, it's been really awesome. And it's amazing because at this level, there are still things to be learned. Oh, 100%. Yeah, you never stop, you never stop learning no, where, no matter where you're at. And I'm learning that now. I mean, these guys, you know, everyone wants to be better even though, you know, we're playing well. We want more, you know. Every time we come back in the dugout, we say we want more. We want more runs and we want more. You know, we want to be better than we were yesterday, even if we went four for four, over four. So, I think it's a it's, it's a team type of mentality, and that, that's what's making us go real well. Tim Beckham had a big game in Chicago, and not in the way he did it early on with the big hits, but rather the longer at bats. Twice he walked ahead of big Daniel Vogelback hits. It's all a part of team hitting. You know, one one through nine, we've been grounding out at bats, and we've been uh, we've been uh, putting together good at bats, and been been super aggressive in the strike zone you know we're not swinging a lot of pitches out of the zone and when you see guys going up there day in and day out and in it to in and pitch to pitch being disciplined and um it, it uh it rubs off it rubs off on the whole club you know and um it's uh like like I, well, I can say it's contagious you know and um you want to go up there and you want to you want to put together good at best for your team you know you want to put people in good situation to succeed and um I had a first and second, and Nova was pit. Well, actually, it was first and third, and Nova was pitching, and he's a sinker ball guy. So I knew he wanted. I know he wanted me to uh, swing at something down in his zone and get me to ground, roll over, and maybe hit into a double play. So he stuck with his strength, and you know, I gave it to him and made him get the pitch up, and he didn't. So um, he kept kept pounding his zone low, 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 and uh, I worked the walk and it set, you know, put Vogelbach in a good position to uh, to succeed and you know get multiple RBIs. And he he did that. And like Vogelbach's been doing, he's been putting together good at bats and he's a great hitter. You know, he's a really really good hitter and um, it's fun watching him do his thing. Lastly, you said this. You think this is the most fun that you've had on a team. What is your favorite part uh, of being around these guys and being with these guys every day? Just just. You know, been a been a part of it, man, and just watching watching everyone cheer for each other and watching everyone be uh, genuinely happy for everyone else's success. You know, and um, that's hard to come by. That's hard to come by in uh, this game. This game, Major League Baseball. You know, it can guys can get selfish. I mean, I played with some selfish players in the past, and um, you know, it's it's impressive of 
it's impressed with the the uh, genuine happiness that everyone's given each other. You know, everyone's everyone hit homers, you hit doubles, you hit, get big hits. Everyone's up on the top step. You know, everyone's really cheering for each other. Finally, here in Kansas City, Malik Smith and others made a trip to the Negro Leagues Museum. It was the third time Smith had visited the museum, and he had some folks there he wanted to talk to in the incredible field of legends. And you, it was a, a priceless moment, and I actually talked to Ray afterwards to ask if he'd ever seen this before, but you go through and you see the statue uh, of Satchel Paige, and you had some words for him. Yes, I pretty much told him that he couldn't strike me out, you know. <laughs> um, I think he'd appreciate that type of trash talk, just kind of understanding the type, the type of person he was, and, uh, you know, I, I think it would be a good competition, so. What would it be like to see that high leg kick on the mound today? Oh, that would be dope, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, It'll be something that I couldn't even fathom, uh, but something that I would know I would enjoy every moment of. Yeah, I think we all would like to see that. You also wandered over to Cool Papa Bell and had a quieter conversation there. Yeah, uh, I was just talking to him about speed, and I just told him that I'd probably beat him in a foot race. So this is when I this this trip I had a lot more trash talk for the fellas, you know. And first, my first few trips was a lot more in awe and amazement. Actually, had some words for him. This trip, I think, you know, something to entertain them a little bit. <laughs> they probably appreciate it. I mean, they're just hanging out yeah, there all just day. hanging out all day, you know, people <laughs> taking pictures of them, you know. I don't know how many personal conversations they get, so well, it was a very... try to talk to them a little bit. <laughs> it was a pretty awesome moment. Did I miss anyone? Did you talk to anyone else? Uh, you know, I came, I sized up a few people, but some of them didn't have many words for me. Okay. Uh, so he didn't miss much. Maybe next time. Yeah, maybe next time. Maybe next yeah. time. So if we see a stolen base or two in the next couple of days, you're thinking cool Papa Bell there? Uh, yeah, you know, I shout out Papa Bell and um, and Josh Gibson and everything. I told Josh Gibson can't throw me out, so. All right. I, I, came, I came for everybody this trip. Lou Pinella to lead things off. 25-year-old outfielder. Hall delivers. Curveball swung on. Base hit down the third baseline. It's going to go for extra bases. Pinella making his way towards second base, and he is in there. One pitch and a double by Lou Pinella. How about that? Welcome back to the pregame show. Shannon Dreyer are here with a roundtable, a very special roundtable, now joined by Rick Riz, Aaron Goldsmith, and our special guest here, Denny Matthews, Hall of Fame broadcaster from the Royals booth on what is a very significant day for both organizations, baseball in Seattle and the Royals. The Pilots, the Royals played their first game on this date and there was a young center fielder what, what do you think of when you hear that Denny I think I was a young broadcaster <laughs> with, uh, with no knowledge about the big leagues at all a couple of things strike me before we get going Buddy Blattner's voice wasn't that high and he didn't talk that fast that's one thing <laughs> Buddy had a very great voice a very mellow voice and he was as good a basketball announcer maybe better than he was a baseball announcer and he was a pretty darn good baseball announcer. And the other thing, the only reason you guys invited me in here was because I've got Mariner's colors on. Thank you for <laughs> you that. You do have some well, yeah. Our general manager like pointed that. that out. I'm colorblind, yeah. so I'm innocent. I had no idea. <laughs> and it didn't matter anyway. I like the shirt, so yeah. I don't care what color it is. But Denny, what was it like going to uh, Sixth Stadium? Uh, I heard from Mike Keegan, who was an original pilot, that they were still banging nails and trying to <laughs> do some construction before the opening game what do you remember about old six stadium back then in 1969 it was a little and i remember our third and final trip in we had come in in april we came in in june and we came in in september and as we settled into the broadcast booth i looked out 
and there was the big mountain right out. Th- we hadn't seen it the first two <laughs> trips. <laughs> there it is, right there before us. It's so there. That was pretty spectacular. But uh, yeah, it was a it was a minor league ballpark, and everybody understood that. But um, downtown was nice. We stayed at the Olympia, mm. Olympia or Olympic. The Olympic. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was it was great. I had never been out there, and uh, beautiful city, and it was a lot of fun. Mm. You know, fans in Seattle and the Northwest know of Lou Pinella as the manager, but you have a unique perspective. You know him as a player. We just heard first hit in franchise history. What are your memories of watching Lou play? Lou Pinella did not join the Royals until about three days before the regular season started. Nobody knew Lou Pinella, who's that guy. And he got four hits in the first game. He was the Royals' first star. And eventually that year, rookie of the year. So pretty spectacular. He bounced around in the minor leagues, I think, for five or six years, yeah. finally well, got a shot and made the most of it. He was in the pilot spring training. Yes. And then traded away for right. John Gelnar to Kansas City. That's exactly right. And he was with Washington and Cleveland, Cleveland. organizations prior yeah. to going in the expansion draft. Yeah. Was he as fiery of a player as we think of him as a manager? Don't get me started on Lee Pinello's <laughs> stories. Because That's what this is for, Denny. We'll be in the fourth That's inning. That's why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, there was. <laughs> where do you start? Yeah, he was. He was very passionate, very intense, uh, hated to strike out and didn't very much. And really hated to ground into double plays. And he destroyed a lot of furniture in the old wow. municipal stadium, <laughs> especially in the dugout and up the tunnel and, and in the clubhouse. But uh, that was his disposition, and he was uh, he was intense. I think that's yeah. the best way to put it. Sure. From day one, that is amazing. You know, this organization has such a rich history. What do you remember in that first year of things coming together, and what kind of a ride was that? Well, the first year was interesting. We had 17,000 people for our first game. Now, the A's had left Kansas City. Charlie Finley pulled the A's out of Kansas City after the 67 season. There was no baseball here in 68. Royals were born for the 69 season. And the biggest reason, and I was shocked by that few people in the ballpark, but you have to remember that Major League Baseball pulled the pulled the plug and Finley said we're moving out of here but they had so many good young players Reggie Jackson and Bando and tennis and Catfish Hunter and all those and the fans in Kansas City could see that that team was going to be really good well they went to Oakland and became really good and I think the fans in Kansas City kind of really resented that so not many showed up the Royals had to prove themselves and nobody knew anybody on the Royals team when we started obviously so it was quite a change of, of of direction for the fans here in Kansas City. It took them a while to uh, to really accept the Royals. What were you, some of your fondest memories of that uh, first year in 1969 with the ball club? Joe Gordon was the manager of the club. Right. And how did they become the Royals? Well, the na- nickname was Hallmark Cards. There was a guy that designed the logo, and then another guy at Hallmark came up with the name Royals. There were a lot of the stairs were one of the, uh, there were so many, and some were kind of weird, but yeah, the yeah. Royals were the deal because the American Royal was a famous horse show that they held in, in the fall of the year here in town. So it kind of fit right in. That's a good nickname, and, yeah. and so they went with it. We modeled our uniforms after the Dodgers, very similar to the Dodger uniform yeah. and colors. And uh, it, was, uh, it was an interesting year. It was uh, quite an adventure. Denny Matthews is our guest on the roundtable. He's the Hall of Fame voice of the Kansas City Royals. Denny, when... When I think about the Royals, the first name that I think of is George Brett. 
What's your favorite George Brett memory or story? Well, I remember when George was hitting 095, and Charlie Lau grabbed him in Baltimore, and he said, are you tired of hitting 095? And George had never established himself in the big leagues. He'd been up briefly. This was his second go-around, and he was 095 and, and scuffling. And George held his bat way up high. Remember Carl Yastrzemski, how he'd yeah. set up way, way up? Yeah. Well, that's how, that's how George did it. So Charlie said, when we get back home to Kansas City, I'll meet you out on the field at 2 o'clock, and we're going to break your swing down. We're going to get, you're not going to be hitting 095. So they came out, and he broke him down. He First of all, he said, why do you hold your bat way up high like that? And George said, because Yaz does. Uh-huh. Okay, fine. Then Charlie said, where does Yaz get the bat? After he's got it up here, come down, get it ready in the hitting zone. And Charlie said, well, if he has, does that, why don't we do that too? And why don't, we just, why don't we start there? Why do you do this? Let's just start there if that's where we got to get. And they just worked and worked and worked for a couple of months. And pretty soon George was hitting 290 and then 300. And you know what happened from there. Some great stories there, and then we're going to ask one about you. You mentioned at the start of the show, I was a young broadcaster back then. How did you come to be with the Royals? Boy, I don't know. <laughs> That's a great question. Well, they, well, Buddy Blattner had been hired as the number one guy, and I applied thinking, yeah, they're a new team, they need somebody, and there were, he told me they had 250 applicants for the number two job, and they finally got me i sent a tape in i made a a tape in st louis of a cardinals mets game and so i sent the tape in and buddy said we hired you for two or three different reasons he said number one you made a tape of a major league game you were applying for a big league job he said number two i could tell you had played the game i played in college in college league in summer and he said you had a good feel for the game and you had little tidbits about the guys and he said besides that a young team, you were a young guy, and you didn't have any bad habits. And I said, I didn't have any habits, bud, good or bad. I don't know what I'm doing here. So, yeah, that was kind of the way it, it, it worked out. But I had no clue that there were going to be so many people applying for it. I figured there were two or three, and I'd be the one. Fantastic. Sure. Yeah. Fantastic. Denny, thank you so much You're for welcome, stopping Shannon. by. We always love the stories. Denny Matthews, from yeah, Hall of Fame broadcaster from the Royals booth. Always great to have you here. Thank you so much. Good to have you people here. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.